Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, editor-in-chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Mitzi, oven bit, Molly's right-hand gal, and super hydrated co-host of the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? So far, we know it will contain salt, heavy cream, butter, sugar, and vanilla extract. Starting to get closer to a guess, listeners? Ah, We've got a great episode for you today. That's right. First up, our intern Kyle is back to extract some knowledge from tricky trivia. Then Chad is here with author Tim Ecott in Ask a Grown-Up. And finally, Andrea is ready to scrape things up with how-to time. Let's uh jump right into the theme song today. Quick! What's the rush, Mitzi? I gotta pee! Tastes good. I drink a lot of water because I know I really ought to, but then all I do is pee. Mystery recipe. Feeling better, Mitzi? Uh, yes, so much better. Thank you, Molly. Sorry about that. Don't be sorry. Everybody pees. Yeah, it's just that I've been trying to drink more water lately. Listeners, that's why I said I was super hydrated earlier because... Being hydrated means you're drinking a lot of water. I read somewhere that you're supposed to drink eight glasses of water a day, which feels like a lot. It really is. That's a myth. You don't need to drink that much water. But drinking lots of water is totally good for you. Good to know. Good to know. I've just been doing my best. And how's it going? Well, it's been going pretty well, Molly, but the only issue is now all I do is pee. Yeah, I mean... That's what happens when you drink water. At first I was like, eight glasses of water? Who has time to drink eight glasses of water? But now I'm realizing the water isn't the hard part. Having to pee every five minutes is what's really slowing me down. I hear that, Mitzi. Well, it is at least good to do your best to stay hydrated. Hello? Kyle! Hi, Kyle. Welcome back. So glad to be here. Thanks, friends. How are we doing? I'm good. I have to pee. Oh, I mean, strong start to our day. You should probably go do that then. Mitzi is trying to drink more water, and she's struggling a little. I am an oven mitt after all, and not like a full-sized human person. Maybe I need to scale down the eight glasses goal a little bit. My bladder is pretty tiny. That makes sense to me. Maybe eight small cups? Ah, I gotta go, friends. Good luck with Tricky Trivia. I'll be back. Well, Kyle, do you want to get started with our first segment? I can handle that. All right. Well, it's time for Tricky Trivia. Listeners, here's how it's going to work. I will tell you a fact about our theme ingredient for the week, vanilla extract, and Kyle here will help you decide whether that fact is true or false. Sound good, Kyle? Sounds great, Molly. Perfect. All right. Here's your first one. True or false. 
Vanilla was used by the Mayan and Aztec people thousands of years ago to flavor a chocolate drink. So, Kyle, do you think the Mayan and Aztec people were using vanilla to flavor a chocolate drink thousands of years ago? Wowee! This is a tough one. But it is also very specific. I do know that the Mayan and Aztec people were around thousands of years ago and that they had a great many interesting inventions, recipes, and rituals. I think it would be totally possible that not only did they have a chocolate drink, but that they flavored it with vanilla. Listeners, I think I am going to go with true on this one. That's correct, Kyle. Nicely done. Thank you. Can you tell us more about this drink, please? It sounds delicious. I would love to. So, vanilla is said to have been grown and enjoyed by the indigenous Totonac people along the eastern coast of Mexico, perhaps as long as a thousand years ago. But what we know for absolutely certain is that in the year 1565, Hirolamo Benzoni described a chocolate drink that the Mayan and Aztec people enjoyed called cacahuatl, which is very similar to hot chocolate. Benzoni also reported that they would flavor this chocolate drink with flowers, vanilla, and chili peppers. Wow! I had no idea vanilla has been making delicious things even more delicious for so long. That cacahuatl sounds really good. Sweet, chocolatey, and spicy? Count me in, please. I know, right? Sounds great. All right, Kyle, ready for your next question? I can handle that. All right, listeners, are you ready too? Here we go. True or false, the flower of the vanilla plant, which needs to be pollinated in order to produce a vanilla bean, only blooms for one day. So Kyle, do you think that's true or false? Does the flower of the vanilla plant only bloom for one day? Huh, this is a tricky one, Molly. What do you think, listeners? I feel like there was a word in that question that's throwing me for a loop. Molly, what does pollinated mean? Good question. Most flowers have a powder on them called pollen. In order for flowers to make seeds and fruit, pollen most often needs to move from one flower to another. Pollen can't move on its own. So lots of flowers are pollinated when animals like bees, butterflies, or hummingbirds fly from one flower to another, spreading the pollen around with them. When pollen from one flower reaches another, it can create fruits like apples, oranges, or vanilla beans. Amazing! Wait, a vanilla bean is a fruit? That's right, a vanilla bean is a fruit. So if the flower of a vanilla plant needs to be pollinated with pollen from another flower and it only blooms for one day, that sounds like it would be close to impossible. And we have lots of vanilla flavored things. I don't know about you listeners, but that is making me think that the answer to this one is false. Oh, sorry, Kyle. The answer is actually true. The flower of a vanilla plant only blooms for one day. But you are right in thinking that it makes it really hard for those flowers to become pollinated and produce vanilla beans. It is really hard to produce vanilla beans. That's part of the reason why they are so expensive. All right, Kyle, I have one more question for you. True or false? Most of the vanilla flavoring consumed today does not actually come from vanilla beans, but is a human-made imitation of the spice. So, Kyle, is that true or false? Is most vanilla flavoring a human-made imitation of vanilla beans? Hmm. Well, listeners, what do you think? 
I mean, we did just talk about how hard it is to pollinate vanilla plants and how popular the flavor of vanilla is around the world. I feel like these two things don't really add up. Don't you, listeners? I bet for that reason that the answer to this question is true. That's exactly right, Kyle. Excellent work. Imitation vanilla flavoring is very popular around the world and is responsible for most of the vanilla-flavored things we eat today. In the 1900s, scientists discovered that they could create vanillin, the aroma or smell molecule that makes the vanilla flavor using things like wood pulp and clove oil. Wood pulp and clove oil? Really? Really, really. Here at America's Test Kitchen, we are happy to recommend both pure vanilla extract and imitation vanilla flavoring. Pure vanilla extract can give you a more complex flavor, while imitation vanilla is much, much cheaper, but does give a less complex flavor. Great job once again this week, Kyle. Thanks, Molly. That was a tough one. Vanilla extract is so cool. Hi, friends. How's it going, Mitzi? Question for you both. Have you ever been using the bathroom before and someone knocks on the door to see if anyone's in there? Well, sure. All the time. What do you say back when they do? I never know what I'm supposed to say back. I sometimes say, hello, but that doesn't actually make sense. They're the ones knocking and probably not because they want to start a conversation. Probably not. What should I be saying? How about... You have failed to find an empty bathroom. Please try again with another door. Kind of a lot to say. I usually just say, someone's in here. It's so mysterious, though. Someone? Not sure who. Don't try and find out. What about the old classic? Occupied. Hi, friends. Chad! What are you occupied with, Molly? Chad, we were just talking about what to say when someone knocks on the door while you're in the bathroom. Ah, does that have anything to do with you yelling, I'm not sure what to say, just now when I knocked Mitzi? It was true! I wasn't sure what to say! Anyways, we spent a lot of time this episode talking about the bathroom. Very true. And if you're here, Chad, that must mean it's time for Ask a Grown-Up. That's right. I'm very excited to be talking all about someone named Edmund Albius. We'll hear all about that right after this quick word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Great timing, because I have to pee again. (laughs) I'll be back! I want to tell you about our sponsor, the National Mango Board. Here at Mystery Recipe, we love our fruit fresh, sweet, juicy, and available all year long. With so many varieties to choose from, like Tommy Atkins mangoes, honey mangoes, or Kent, no matter when a mango is on your mind, you're free to grab one whenever you like. But keep in mind, don't focus on color when grabbing this fresh fruit. They come in so many different varieties that you may pick a color you love, but a ripeness you won't. So whenever you see one that makes your eye twinkle, give it a gentle squeeze. If there is a slight give, you know you found a winner, no matter the season. Grown-ups, discover more about marvelous mangoes at mango.org slash mysteryrecipe. 
grown-ups, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Green Pan. Their Valencia cookware collection is the winner of ATK's Best in Test for Ceramic Nonstick Skillets. Green Pan is constantly working to live up to their name. They use recycled aluminum. Their factory runs on 30% solar energy. They recycle their wastewater and are focused on reduced carbon emissions. Greenpan has won dozens of awards for their dedication to the environment and is always working to make healthy products better for everyone. Grown-ups, to learn more about Greenpan, visit them at greenpan.us. Plus, get a special 30% off your purchase for our America's Test Kitchen audience with code ATK30. That's ATK30. We're back, and it's time for Ask a Grown-Up. Take it away, Chad. Thanks, Molly. So, when I was researching vanilla for this week, I came across a story that I needed to share with all of you. And that is the story of Edmund Albius. But before we learn about Edmund, we need to know a little bit about the history of vanilla. So, I called up an expert. My name is Tim Eckert, and I'm a journalist and a writer, and I spent a lot of my career traveling around Africa and the islands of the Indian Ocean, including the place we now call La Réunion, which a long time ago was called Ile Bourbon, and it plays a significant part in the history of the vanilla industry. Tim literally wrote the book on the history of vanilla, or at least a book, called Vanilla Travels in Search of the Ice Cream Orchid. Let's start with a refresher on the vanilla plant. Well, the plant itself is an orchid. Uh, The flavor that we call vanilla comes from the fruit of the orchid. Um, It produces a fruit if the flower is pollinated, usually by an insect. Um, And in, in the case of vanilla, it's the only orchid which produces a fruit that we call vanilla pods or vanilla beans, which you can eat. But it was hard to come by. Well, the vanilla orchid grows naturally only in one part of Mexico in North America. And when the European colonizers first started going to Mexico, it was one of the things they found that we didn't have in Europe. So the uh, Spanish mainly who colonized Mexico were the people who brought it to Europe for the first time. And because it was rare and it came by ship in the days of sail, it was very expensive and very valuable. So lots of people wanted to grow vanilla in order to sell it to make money. And while lots of people wanted to make money growing and selling vanilla, they couldn't figure out how to pollinate the orchid and get vanilla beans to grow. That challenge took many years to solve. In 1820, uh, people started taking vanilla orchids from France to La Réunion or Ile Bourbon in the Indian Ocean. But again, they didn't really know if they had proper vanilla orchids and they struggled to keep them alive. But one man there, called Ferriol Bellier Beaumont, a very long, complicated French name, he managed to keep his vanilla plants alive for about 20 years. And one day he was strolling through his garden, and he noticed that his vanilla plants uh, were growing fruit. Beaumont had a formerly enslaved young boy named Edmund, who was living and working on his plantation. Edmund, at the time, was about 11 years old and had been interested in gardening. So Beaumont taught him all about plants and fruits and vegetables. When Beaumont saw his vanilla orchids bearing vanilla beans, he asked Edmund about it. And he asked Edmund, look, my vanilla flowers are blooming and they're growing fruits. Isn't that amazing? 
and Edmund said, yes, I did that. And Mr. Beaumont thought, what, what are you talking about? And he said to the boy, what do you mean? And he said, I did to the vanilla flower what we do with the melons. I took the pollen from one flower and passed it to another, and that's why it's making fruit. Mr. Beaumont asked Edmund to show him how he did it. And so Edmund did it again. And a few days later, he had more fruits. And uh, Mr. Beaumont Bellier was very excited by this. And that's how Réunion, or Ile Bourbon, came to be the place where vanilla was grown for the first time successfully outside Mexico. Edmund's discovery quickly changed the way vanilla was grown and sold around the world. La Réunion went from not being able to produce any vanilla to producing tons of it, all within Edmund's lifetime. Sort of 20 tons and then 50 tons and then more than 100 tons a year. So um, that's uh, a lot of beans. And while it was well known on the island that it was Edmund who had first done this, giving him credit for the discovery proved difficult. Well, this was a time when uh, people, mostly people originally from Africa, were kept as slaves uh, in the French colonies. But in fact, Mr. Beaumont Bellier wrote to the governor of the island and asked him if the government would actually pay Edmund uh, a salary uh, as a way of thank you for um, showing the island how to make such a lot of money from vanilla. Uh, he didn't get very far with that. The, the, the governor didn't believe uh, that Edmund deserved to be paid money from the government, and so he didn't agree to it. And in fact, there were a lot of people who were very jealous of Edmund. They thought that because he was a slave um, and because he was an African boy, he probably hadn't discovered the secret of vanilla, and they refused to believe Mr. Beaumont-Bellier. And so, despite changing the history of vanilla export and making a discovery that would make many plantation owners around the island rich, Edmund did not profit off of any of it. He decided to move on. Edmond decided that he would move away from the plantation where he lived and go to work in the capital, Saint-Denis where he found a job as a cook in another rich person's house. And he was making a life for himself. He met a girl and he got married. But unfortunately, in the house where he was working one night, there was a robbery and some jewellery was stolen and Edmond was blamed. Uh, he always said he had not taken the jewellery, but he was blamed and he was sent to prison. Uh, he was sentenced to five years imprisonment with hard labor, which meant you had to work out on the, in the fields or breaking rocks to make cement. It was a very difficult life. It was a heartbreaking and unthinkable life for anyone, never mind someone who had already made a discovery that would change the world. Edmund's later life was a direct result of the racism and injustice of slavery. After he got out of prison, he moved back into Mr. Beaumont's plantation, where he lived for the rest of his life. But his story wasn't entirely lost. There is still some credit rightfully given to him back at the island of La Réunion. So people in La Réunion certainly were well aware of uh, Edmund's discovery. Um, there are several streets on the island named after him. Uh, there is a school named after Edmond Albius. Um, and there is a statue to him up in the mountains uh, near to where the original plantation where he lived uh, was. And that was only uh, built uh, in about 1980. So I wouldn't say he's a household name outside the island, but certainly uh, within the vanilla industry and, and on the island of La Réunion, I would say most people would know his name. And indeed, the school kids do get taught the story of Edmund. 
and uh, in French, they called the process of fertilizing the flower, they called it le geste d'Edmond, the hand of Edmund. And that is the story of Edmund Albius. Thanks so much to Tim Eckhart. And if you want to know more about this, check out his book, Vanilla Travels in Search of the Ice Cream Orchid. Back to you, Molly. Thanks, Chad, and thanks to Tim Eckhart for teaching us so much about Edmund. All right, uh, I'm back. Welcome back, Mitzi. Yeah, Molly, I have just been so frustrated with all these bathroom breaks lately. And I've been talking to my cat, Oliver, who's basically my therapist, about what to do when I'm feeling frustrated. And do you know what Oliver said I should do? I'm not sure, Mitzi. He said I should turn my frustrations into song. He did? Uh, maybe it was my suggestion, but he didn't disagree with it, so we're following through. Want to hear the song? Yes. Good, because I'm singing it anyway. Here we go. All I do is pee All I do is pee I drink a lot of water because I know I really oughta, but then all I do is pee One more time. <laughs> Key change. All I do is pee. All I do is pee. I drink a lot of water because I know I really oughta, but then all I do is pee. That was great, Mitzi. Did you steal that from my head? Andrea, did you like my song? I loved it. You know, Mitzi, that happens to me too. I drink a ton of water and I have to pee all the time. Really? I thought it might have been because of my tiny bladder, but it's good to know I'm not in this alone. Nope, I'm right there with you, Missy. If you keep drinking lots of water, you'll just get used to peeing all the time. Plus, now we can be bladder buddies with a theme song and everything. Oh, I love this. Now I have someone to ask about this who knows what I'm going through. Andrea, question. When you're using the bathroom and someone knocks on the door, what do you say back? I don't yell. I don't know what to say. I'll tell you that much. That was you? More than once, Mitzi. I guess I'd just say occupied? Classic response. Anyways, now that I have your song stuck in my head, Mitzi, how about we get started with how-to time? Andrea is an associate editor here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all this fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. We want you to practice your cooking techniques while you're our intern. So every week, I'm going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills. So, Andrea, what are we going to learn about today? Today, we are going to learn how to scrape the seeds from a vanilla bean. Oh, cool. Then will we plant them and grow our own vanilla? Nope. You can use the seeds from a vanilla bean to add vanilla flavor to food, like cakes, cookies, or whipped cream. Our recipes usually call for vanilla extract, but you can also use the seeds from a vanilla bean. Anyways, let's get to the good stuff and scrape these beans. I have two beans here for us to practice on. To scrape the beans, we're going to use a paring knife. And not a butter knife? We need a sharp knife for this task. Listeners at home, always be sure to ask for help from an adult before using a sharp knife like a paring knife. Are we going to cut the seeds out? Not exactly. We're going to scrape them out using the back of the knife. 
First, we're going to place the vanilla bean so that it's flat on the counter. Check. Then we're going to gently press the tip of the paring knife into the center of the top of the pod and carefully slice down the length of the bean, aka lengthwise. Be careful not to press too hard because we don't want to actually cut the bean in half. We just want to open it up like this. See? Okay, let me try. Press the tip and cut down the middle. There, it worked. I opened the sides with the back of the knife and now I can see a bunch of tiny dark brown seeds inside. Wow, as soon as I cut into it, I can start to smell the bean. Great job. Now you can use the back of the knife to scrape out the seeds. Just run it slowly away from you along the length of the bean and the seeds will collect on the back of the knife. They're pretty sticky. Then you can scrape them into this little bowl. Okay, and done. There's not a lot of seeds, huh? Not really, but they have a very strong flavor. One vanilla bean usually has about half a teaspoon of seeds, which is the flavor equivalent of a whole tablespoon of vanilla extract. Wow, those are some pretty powerful seeds. I thought vanilla was a term people use to describe something that is bland or boring. It is, but I think that saying is wrong. Vanilla really packs a punch. I agree, Andrea. Wow, that was the best as always. Thanks again, Andrea. Anytime, Kyle. See you next week. Ah, I am still feeling frustrated. Oliver's advice to turn my frustration into song was helpful, but this isn't a Broadway musical. Singing my feelings doesn't make them go away. Well, Mitzi, this might not be a Broadway musical, because we certainly don't have the budget for that, but I think a good song never hurt any situation. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. Ping is an unavoidable result of drinking water. It happens to absolutely everyone. You mean having to pee this often is normal? I mean, I would maybe try to scale down the eight glasses of water next time. Or, you know, maybe spread them out a bit more. But sure, Mitzi, having to pee is normal. So normal that I wrote a song about it. It's okay, Mitzi, because everybody pees. Everybody pees. If you have a body, then you have to use the potty. That's right. Everybody pees. Kyle! Yeah, you're right. Let's sing it again! Everybody pees. Everybody pees. If you have a body, then you have to use the potty. That's right. Everybody pees. Golly, that key change really makes you feel it, you know? I definitely do. Speaking of feeling it, I think I kind of have to pee. Me too. Ah, thanks, buddy. You didn't have to go and write a whole new verse just to make me feel better. I know I didn't have to, but that's what happens in a world where people sometimes break out into song. Yeah, so sweet. Uh, all right, I think I have to run. Are we? Yes, we are about out of time for today's episode. Listeners, we'll be back with another flavorful episode next time. We've got a great taste test in our pressing question segment, followed by something a little bit boring in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, keep, keep on, on cooking. cooking! Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am Roasted Salted Cashews. 
Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is a big barrel of cheese puffs. Andrea Vavjin is a white cheddar cheese it and Katie O'Hara is a goldfish cracker, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Chester Guazda, an apple, and Matt Boynton, a salt and vinegar potato chip of ultraviolet audio. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and his popcorn. Our director of post-production is Jen Margolis. She is a Twix. Our director of production is Diane Knox, who is also salsa. Fact-checking by Julia Arwin, a nacho cheese Dorito. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher, and she's a spicy pickle. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a tortilla chip. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a chocolate-covered pretzel. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, art director, Gabby Hamanoff, deputy food editor, Afton Cyrus, associate editors, Andrea Vavjin, Katie O'Hara, and Tess Berger, editorial assistant, Julia Arwin, Photo test cook Ashley Stoyanov and test cook Faye Yang. Special thanks to Tim Eckhart. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Brian Green. Thanks again to our sponsors, Driscoll's, the National Mango Board, and Green Pan. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. I don't know what to say. Uh, They walked away, huh? Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts, and we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win.